And this is Filtered Through Fiction, where we look at life through the lens of our favorite fiction. This week is Section 6 of Wicked. Episode 6. Episode 6 of Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> this is... It's, it's so weird. It's still, We're still in Gillikin. Now we're in a chapter called The Charmed Circle. The Charmed Circle. And we're going to split this one in two for sure. We've been oh, talking yeah. about it the last couple <laughs> Maybe we should do this one in two. This one for sure. This one was a monster of a chapter. Lots of stuff going on. Yeah. Lots of things. I had, the thing I almost texted you was, I have a lot of feelings about this chapter. <laughs> you do? I do. Feelings? I have a lot of feelings. It's going to come into play here soon, too. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, are you ready for a recap? I am so ready for the recap. <laughs> the recap is like 77 minutes long, so get ready. All right. So, in part one of the Charmed Circle, Galinda is now called Glinda in honor of Dr. Dillamond. She can't handle Ama Clutch's mysterious ailment and has, in fact, gone pretty silent, Morable insists she and Elphaba need a chaperone or that they go to the common dorm, so Elfie saves the day by calling on Nanny. Also arriving at Shiz is the long-awaited Nessa Rose. Bach is the first to meet her. She has uh, slight difficulties walking and is armless. She's also very pretty and proper, not one to gossip and first to pray for Ama Clutch's recovery. Bach looks forward to co-ed classes and notes that Glinda has changed. She has. Yeah. Part two. Glinda has changed. <laughs> she doesn't trust Morrible, as she is the only one she lied to about Alma Clutch's previous ailment, and now she suddenly has said ailment. Did Glinda cause it, or does Morrible have something to do with it? She regrets kissing Bach. She's kind of ditched her other friends. She decides maybe Elphaba could be her actual friend. She gets Elfie to share about Nessa Rose, and we find out that Turtle Heart had been a victim of human sacrifice. We also find out Melina didn't die giving birth to Nessa Rose. It was five years later, when she bore a son named Shell, after Turtle Heart, who is now ten. Elphaba describes Nessa Rose as strong-willed, semi-invalid, very smart, and thinks she's holy. She's also Frex's favorite. Shocking. <laughs> Glinda finds her beautiful but demanding. She decides to focus on her studies. Her sorcery instructor is a bit of a Trelawney. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. That's exactly who I thought of. <laughs> Morrible interferes in that class. Um, like Umbridge and the Ministry. Uh-huh. Yeah, I almost said Morrible <laughs> is an Umbridge. <laughs> it's weird. Morrible is a bootlicker, but more on that later. Anyway, um, Alphaba, Glinda, and Nessa Rose discuss the morality of sorcery being taught at a school with a unionist origin. Part 3. Bach tries to get Alphaba to discuss Dilliman's research, but she won't put him at risk. They're in a co-ed class now with Dr. Nikodik. 
They're about to observe some shady, quote, life science that looks a lot more like sorcery when the arrival of a new winky student from the Vincus interrupts. Glinda questions sorcery versus science, and the three girls get into another conversation about morals. The winky student is a prince from Vincus by the name of Fiero. Averick is a racist. Dr. Nicodic is an animal abuser. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, part four. Yeah, I really needed, I really needed the lion cub to have the exact kind of ending that the lion cub got in that chapter. Yeah. Part four. The friend group has formed. Bach and Averick, Alphaba and Nesseros with Nanny, Glinda... Sometimes Fanny, Shen, Shen, and Mila. Sometimes Crope and Tibbet and Fiero. Always together. Bach is getting over Glinda. Um, grum, grum, grammatic? I still don't know how to say that. Grammatic. That's how I say it. Grammatic. Summons the Throp girls to Morable, who shares her support for the wizard, before revealing a package just arrived from Frax to Nessa Rose. A gorgeous pair of shoes, Frex bedazzled himself with silver glass beads he also made himself. Nothing for Alphaba. The friends go out for wine, and we get to know Fierro more, including that he was married at the age of seven, but they've only seen each other once, and he's got two more years before they actually are together. Nessaros goads Elfie into singing for the group, which surprises and delights everyone. Part 5. Ama Clutch is Dying. Glinda, still blaming herself, tries to magic her back. Ama Clutch has a singular moment of clarity where she stops talking to the pillowcase long enough to say something weird about the capital W wind and mm. the clockwork and Dr. Dilliman's time stopping. Alphaba says it was grammatic, gra- grammatic, <laughs> whatever. And Ama Clutch agrees, then takes her last breaths. And that is yeah. what we're going to discuss today yes. on this episode of Filtered Through Fiction. Wicked edition. Wicked. Wicked. So much. So what do you want to talk about first? Well, um, obviously the first being for me, Glinda becoming Glinda. Mm-hmm. And how... I mean, initially, I wasn't sure. I had actually only having seen within, I'm pretty sure, the first paragraph or two of that chapter, how it being this tribute to Dr. Delamon, because originally he was the one who called her Glinda. She corrected him, and I immediately was like, don't be hijacking a moment. Mm -hmm. Like, this better be sincere, which I am glad reading through the rest of the chapter it is it seems like she really has shifted um and made a lot of changes as far as who she is as a person and i did want to talk about transformational moments where like yes in this moment she actually makes a shift in her name like in how she pronounces it and there are other people in history um who have done that but those moments that seem transformational enough and i actually have some lyrics to read Ooh. um it's a song called around you and most unfortunately they spell you as you <laughs> you <laughs> and it's a band i actually don't know if it's i would say muna because it's luna 
like Luna Lovegood with oh, an okay. M. Okay. M U N A. And um, I just like this chorus that says, Something massive happened here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. Something false that once was true, I no longer revolve around you. Mm. And um, the you could be anything. Like in this, it's certainly talking about a person. But, you know, in the Bible, we would think of Saul becoming Paul. Mm -hmm. And I think even Abraham and Sarah started off as like Abraham and Sarai, Mm -hmm. I think. And just, um, you know, those moments where something shifts, something massive happens within um, your world, yourself, whatever that might be, your mind frame, um, like your paradigm, and shifts in a way that it really is transformational, whether that's um, something once was false, now is true, or maybe something that you believe to true believed to be true um now like that's changed and just significant and in a way that is significant enough that fundamentally you are different i think of um like malcolm x was born malcolm little but he adopted x because he didn't want to it was a rejection of a slave name yeah and how when we read uh how to be an anti-racist Ibram X. Kendi was not born Ibram X. Like he talks about how his middle name actually was paying tribute to the slave name of an ancestor. I also, one of the people that came to mind is on social media, I follow a trans man who like very publicly has gone from Heather to Luke. And just how those moments where he was able to legally change his name. He got his new driver's license yep. with his new, um, his new name and how transformational that moment was when he was able to move from Heather to Luke and then share that, you know, which I think it's amazing that he's doing that publicly. Um, because that's gotta be real fucking hard to do at times. Seriously. Um, but just when we have those moments that something very fundamental shifts in a way that you feel like in some way I'm new, in Mm -hmm. some way I'm different and it may not mean an actual name change, but I think like what is more fundamental than the thing you are called? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, that just that moment like really resonated for me. Yeah. I've had my own recent shift, so <laughs> um, where the INTJ discovers they are the INFJ, rediscovers <laughs> that, and so I was very intentional in saying I have a lot of feelings mm-hmm. about this uh, mm-hmm. chapter, and uh, I think some of my very big feelings will come in the second half as well, but I, I do love that there has, that we get to watch this shift whatever mm-hmm. however it might end up playing out like we get to see the root of it and right now I like what I see in Glinda mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting and it's hard it's funny because when you read this you started reading like these first two chapters and you immediately messaged me and was like is this real and do we trust her <laughs> I need it to and be I real. <laughs> refused yeah, to respond because I, I wanted you to find you know find your own answer to that but I think that was really interesting because it's a very it, it's very telling that 
we're skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) We're skeptical of someone (laughs) who has been shown to be pretty narcissistic, you know, very into themselves, very into appearances Mm -hmm. and, you know, what can benefit them and what, you know, their, their name and their title means, you know, she's, she's been clear about her, you know, royal lineage in her eminence, whatever, um, to see someone like that suddenly acting like they have, you know, been affected by something strongly enough to, to change for the good, like for good of someone else to honor someone else. It's, it's skept there is a healthy skepticism there like sure. can we trust this and just <laughs> and in that like we actually got to see her initial interactions with Dr. Dillamon mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. specifically and i just i did i that is my my response to that when it it looks like this is his death is some catalyst for her like my i mean i said out loud like you you better not be hijacking his death for mm-hmm. your own purposes because I think we've seen that all along the way mm-hmm. that um, she's pretty masterful at manipulation. Like we have determined so far, she's been a very unhealthy, not determined, but have, I guess, conjectured. She's mm-hmm. a very unhealthy type three. I think this book might be full of type threes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think that person's a type three. I think that person's a type three. Um, <laughs> But to see her actually talk about saying to Elfie, like, she doesn't want to think. <laughs> and then I literally wrote when she, you, you talked about the question that she asked that even Alphabet was like, man, that's a really good question. And I so, said, like, Glinda's asking big brain questions now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm absolutely rooted in skepticism about whether or not this is a, a sustainable change yeah. for her. Yeah, I think we're just so used to, <laughs> in our society, people being so... Disappointing? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. just people saying one thing and meaning something else or saying something because they want to make a point or mm-hmm. want you to trust them or want you to want you to think they're going to do this for you or whatever. And then, you know, talking out of both sides of their mouth and telling somebody else something else. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think you're good to not trust it. But I do think you can see, I think the fact that she's basically like silenced herself in yeah. this in this part too shows a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if she had been very Glinda about her name change and like, you know, I could see her making like little glittery pink business cards and <laughs> passing them out to everybody with her new name on it and you know in honor of dr dillamond oh, with yeah. his name you know his birth date and death date on it and like but her name yeah. way bigger at the top yeah. you know what i'm you can picture it right oh totally handing those out to everybody like make sure you make sure you call me glinda from now on yeah. you know and just being very like blatant and obvious and yeah. annoying about it that'd be one thing but she's basically just like I'm Glinda and now I'm quiet and I'm observing and I'm listening and something is changing and I don't like it. <laughs> like yeah. the murder of this goat really did do something to her yeah. and Ama Clutch getting sick with the disease that yeah. she created. Basically she's right. the one that said, Oh yeah, she has this problem where she talks to nails and 
you know, whatever. And now suddenly she's talking to inanimate inanimate objects. objects. Like, where did this come from? So she's questioning a lot in herself right now. And I think that's, that's good for Glinda. She's been very shaken by, I guess, these, these two events that obviously, or at least seem to be very obviously related to Mm -hmm. one another in um, Ama Clutch having discovered Dr. Dilliman in his, uh, I mean, murder, mm-hmm. like you said, the disease or ailment being the exact thing that she just made up off the top of her head. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're rooting for you, Glinda. Don't disappoint us. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. <laughs> As my friend RuPaul would say. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. And it's not um, it's not necessarily a huge talking point, but I thought it was important to just make a note of the evolution of the bands. Um, how originally it was travel restrictions or uh, like travel restrictions in terms of where on the mode of transportation you could ride as mm-hmm. an animal or an animal. And then it turned into a restriction on traveling at all. And now it makes a reference to um, the reason why there are now co-ed classes yes. is because they will not hire an animal to teach. Right. So we've, we have widened our circle of restrictions mm-hmm. when it comes to animals. Yes. Which has actually lowered the restrictions at school because now the yeah. students the, the students are getting yeah. the same instruction <laughs> yeah from only human which isn't always better in this yeah. in this universe but i would like to have been in the room where it happened when <laughs> they weighed the consequences yeah. like when they decided it would be better to buck this norm and have co-ed classes like that was more worth the risk than hiring an animal i've sat through a lot of school board meetings in the last (laughs) year and a half and i do not want to be in that room actually (laughs) i will just sing about it later (laughs) this is a a fictional world where those meetings actually like Uh, are fruitful oh oh and people are like respectful and stuff i'm used to having a i'm used to having a yeah where's your beverage over here so (laughs) (laughs) ghost water you don't even have water Mm -mm, i didn't bring anything wow don't dehydrate so anyway just wanted to put a pin in that like oh this is this is a note yeah what do we think about nanny coming back she's so grouchy she is like she's like a cantankerous old lady but you also just want to (laughs) like hang out with her like i love that she's always hanging out with yeah like and drinking with them yeah like she's just partying yeah she's their chaperone but yeah college age kids (laughs) yeah (laughs) she cracks me up she had another um moment of saying something that made me think but i'm not sure what i think about it (laughs) when she's when she first gets to Shiz with Nessa Rose and Bach is the one that goes to greet them. Yeah. Um, she is kind of just explaining the situation and she says, um, basically Nessa Rose is early now coming to Shiz. She shouldn't be there yet, but she has to because Nanny's coming and there's no one else to to take care of Nessa Rose because Frex has gone off his head 
and mom is dead, but it says, well, the family always was bright and brightness, as you know, decays brilliantly. Yes. Ah, well, I don't even know. I know. It just, it's like such good words, <laughs> but <laughs> good. I don't even know what I think about them. Good words, nanny. Good, good words. words, nanny. I don't know if I'm, I'm associating it with like how every famous person falls from grace. <laughs> like everybody gets yeah. to the top and then all of their shit hits the fan and every, you know, like, yeah, I, I also I pictured, um, like John Nash, a beautiful mind. Oh, there you go. How he literally like has this beautiful, brilliant mind, but it decays into like a paranoia. Mm-hmm. Like the, I think of the meme from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> 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 with all of the like conspiracy yes. theory like all the papers the pins the strings loom <laughs> between the yep. push pins i kind of think that's the picture i <laughs> get in my mind with that but uh <laughs> yeah i i also thought man that's a good quote but i don't really <laughs> i don't know what to say about I don't it either. <laughs> I don't all right fine good job again nanny good job nanny thanks for stumping us that is kind of that is the same moment though where we get you know our first words from Nessa Rose which is nanny don't gossip it hurts my soul <laughs> like N- Nessa Rose really is the ultimate of I can't think of the word that I really want to use for her but it's it's not nice <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's just so holier than thou yeah she's just i don't know i just want to say like fuck your soul nessa rose (laughs) like (laughs) there it is write it down (laughs) you found it Uh, it's just oh it's the people who like, oh, uh, so me at the end of slash beginning of two, mm-hmm. no, end of one, beginning of two, <laughs> wrote down, well, I've found my new least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the she thing. Like, she's not even gossiping. Yeah. Like, Nanny's literally just explaining the um, lineage. That's yeah, not really like, the well, word. kind of, but like the success the succession yes yes like essentially she's next in line for this she will be the successor yeah to alphaba is the next eminence eminent yes. throp in the third descending munchkin so. land and she's just talking to bach about it because bach's a munchkin lander so she's he like would understand explaining. like she's just saying yeah. this is the case and nessa rose is like all holier than thou about her gossiping and it's like shut the fuck up you don't even know what gossip is yeah like you've been protected everybody fawns over you and and you know takes such good care of you because you need it physically but also have completely shaded you from all of the gossip that probably (laughs) surrounds your life yeah you never you know Oh, I don't know. I just hate that. Like, I hate, I really am not a big fan of people calling out other people's bullshit. Even if Nanny was gossiping. So the fuck what? Nanny don't gossip. It hurts my soul. How? She's not gossiping about you. Shut up. I think Nessa Rose <laughs> is another one of those, like, I think she's almost a sneaky narcissist. 
because she really... You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. She is one of those narcissists that, like, it's really hard. She just disguises it so well that we don't pick up on it immediately. Like, she's disguising this in, like, a holiness. I mean, she's she's Frex 2.0 in that she's For way sure. she's way better at it than Frex ever was. Yeah. And, like, she is, like, I think the things that narcissists do so well, especially when they're sneaky this way is to take something and like they shift it to be the way in which they have been wounded. Like I, I can think of um, a friend who dated this guy and he is so classic at wanting to be seen as the good guy Mm. without a lot of good guy behaviors to back it up. Gross. And so when my friend would have the courage and like the backbone to say like, this is like, when you do this, like, this is really difficult. Th- these are the feelings it creates for me. Like, is it, these are the ways in which I, like, you do this. I feel dismissed. I feel like I'm not important to you. And he immediately will say, that hurts my heart. It, I basically, it hurts my heart that I make you feel this way. And like, to shift it around in a way that like now she's comforting him if she, you know, weren't to catch on to it immediately. And I think that is what Nessa Rose is masterful at. Not that she is hurting someone's feelings, not that like Nanny was even talking about her, but like she takes this moment when I'm curious, I just, right here in this moment is it because we're talking about how alphabet is next in line and so the attention mm-hmm. isn't on Nessaros. who knows like i don't know it's pure conjecture at this point but she's just one of those people who really has dialed in the ability to make everything about her without it being obviously about her because she's hiding behind this smoke screen of like piety yeah Ugh, fuck you, Nessa Rose. Yeah, I'm not a... I'm She's not grosser a than Frex to me. Mm-hmm. She is. You're right. You did it. You're a good <laughs> You're a good judge of character, my friend. <laughs> At least in fictional people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that I think just really bugs me about her is I understand a lot of the physical accommodations that need to hap- sure. happen to help her. Like, yeah. I absolutely support that but i just the people that you have to make every fucking accommodation for Mm -hmm. we see alphaba wanting things in their room a specific way like when you when you have a personality characteristic like i absolutely believe when it comes to physical disabilities or incapabilities or limits we should absolutely be making whatever accommodations we can you know to help people out in that way not to coddle but like yeah she literally can't feed herself you need to somebody needs to be there to feed her obviously or she's gonna starve like you know but when people have that personality characteristic that we're always like falling all over our fucking selves to accommodate like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> those people who 
you just find yourself in a frenzy, like with everybody doing what they can to accommodate whatever this trait or personality characteristic is. And I think they do a lot of that for Nessa Rose because of, and I, I'm sure, not I'm not going to say I'm sure, like I hope it's something like how it talks about you start off, ooh, is this going to, mm, is this foreshadowing where it talks about the group starts off like, polite and shy enough to basically overlook each other's like prejudices and things like that. But ultimately they will get intimate enough to where like now I know you and the betrayal will set in. I'm really curious how the group will then shift when it comes to her, her holier than thou stuff. I smell betrayal in the air. It's going to be a, an adventure, <laughs> a little bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. That's Nessa Rose. The worst. She's she's the new worst. <laughs> she is. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, I just hate that. I hate it when people make you feel like you have to make every fucking accommodation for yeah. whatever thing. And I definitely mean like a personality. Right. Like I'm a hundred percent there for all of her physical needs, anything she needs, but like making an accommodation for her religious piety. Yeah. Don't gossip. It hurts my soul. You can fuck off with that. Well then leave. Yeah. Oh Uh, man. Anyway. Yeah. I could, I could spend a whole episode going off on this route, so <laughs> we should probably... <laughs> okay, I have nothing else You're going to have one. to cut me off. Okay, so. I'm cutting you off. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> part two. Glinda was changed. What do you have to say in chapter, in part two? Um, uh, the only thing I really wrote down, like, I mean, the, the accommodation stuff is overlapped in one and two but Mm. the other thing that i really just talked about or wrote down rather was glinda's shift and just the way that we see this told me that for now at least this is genuine i hope with all of my heart that it's sustainable but i don't know what did you what did you have down I mean, she seems like she's 180 the way she retreats into her studies and she's really, she's applying herself for once. Yeah. Well, and she's taking an interest in Alphaba. She's decided she can really be an actual friend. And so she starts actually asking questions and getting to know her better, wanting to know about, you know, their childhood. And I mean, also because she's getting ready for this is that that conversation is kind of a flashback to before Nessaros showed up but getting ready to expand the social circle like she you know she still has that part of hers it's not going to go away that she's interested in that social life part but yeah I mean she definitely has learned how to talk about more than just hairstyles and (laughs) you know hats um she has seen um, her previous friends for what they truly are. Mm-hmm. Although they are hanging out again in a yeah. little while. So, I mean, she's not. I was a little disappointed by that. I know. <laughs> but they serve a purpose in I, another chapter. That's what I kind of assumed when I was like, oh, well, this must. It's, uh, it's just they're kind of the fringe friends now. They're not yeah. her main friends. You know, it's definitely Glinda, Alphaba, Nessa Rose 
are like the the little core, core group. Bach, Averick, and soon Fierro kind of become yeah. the core. And then Crope, Tibbet, Fanny, Shenshen, Mila, they're all kind of the outskirts friends. They're the yeah. they're the, the extras. <laughs> <laughs> they are not in the um musical. Oh. Neither is Averick either. The musical has a very smaller cast than the book. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I don't know. The only other I mean, another thing not Glinda related that I had in this section is that there was this conversation again about politics. Um, kind of what happened in the quadling yeah. territory when they were kids there. And I, I want to kind of pass over that and I'm like, okay, yeah, there's just some history, some politics, blah, blah, blah. But first of all, there's like some super gross, um, coincidences, <laughs> similarities yeah. to like real life, which makes me gag. <laughs> um, basically that, you know, the wizards men, come to the quadling country and they're basically draining it to try to yeah. find the rubies which they never find but in the course they in in the course of that process they chase out the quadling people kill them destroy them destroy their you know i believe later um put the them word in settlement camps decimation yeah is the word used yeah put them in settlement camps for their own protection starve them didn't it feel a lot like Mm, the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. There's some real, yeah. real, real gross comparisons. Yeah. And I was thinking about like blood diamonds in Africa. Yeah. Like just that. What is it in the nature of humanity to be so fucking greedy over things? Yeah. That people are willing to destroy entire people groups. Right. For a fucking shiny rock. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. And I that, do like, not get it. That we decide is worth something. Yeah, right? You know? Yes. Like, if you like, if you really want to do me a solid, let's decide dog shit is worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, Have people fighting over that in your backyard. Like, <laughs> Come at I, it. I, but, I mean, which I say in jest, but like, really, like, yeah. we, we decided. Yeah, 100%. That rubies and diamonds emeralds whatever mm -hmm. all of these gems like we decided they meant something yeah and we can also decide they don't mean anything like they're certainly not worth a, a single human life much less entire countries mm -hmm. races of people yeah. that's fucking insane yeah <laughs> that like it's a rock. It's a rock. It's a rock. Like, let's just pick different rocks. Yeah. If that's, if you feel like it is worth wiping out an entire race of people. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, I had a friend in college who worked in the jewelry industry and was very much into it and very, very interested in all the, you know, the perfections and the, hmm. the, I don't know, when you shop for a diamond ring yeah. you talk, like talk all about like all the facets the, and, mm -hmm. and all the the clarity and yeah it's like the four c's or something clarity carrots meh, eh, i don't remember and like i literally would look in the diamond case and just be like mm, shiny like they all look the fucking same they're all just yeah. shiny and like you could put a diamond and a cubic zirconia right next to each other and i would not be able to tell the difference yeah. it is literally decided by somebody 
arbitrarily. Yeah. And <laughs> we just put stock in this expertise. Yeah. Because. And like, it's this no, status symbol. Like yeah. that was the other thing. She got engaged at that time and we were all in college and we were all, you know, whatever. Her fiance gave her like a, I want to say a half carat diamond, pretty decent sized diamond. And immediately, immediately she started talking about like how it was just a temporary one. And, you know, after he graduated, after they graduated and after he got a job and she would be, she would be upgrading to something better, you know, probably about a two carat later. Like, da, 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 da. I was just like, like why? Like why? Yeah. Like, why is it important? The, like I do have a diamond in my engagement ring. I have one normal, like big one and then a tiny little guy. And I could never, like, my my wedding ring is the symbol of my wedding and my marriage to me. Like, I could never, it does not compute to me to replace it just for yeah. something better. Like, do I get a, do I get a better marriage then? Because <laughs> what the fuck is the point? <laughs> like, yeah. that's just stupid. I, I don't, mm, I just don't get it. And like... Yeah, I if I knew net then what I know now, would I even have a diamond ring? Probably sure. not. It is what it is, but I'm not I'm not getting rid of it cuz it's the symbol for me. When Brittany and I have talked, like she has said like I don't want a diamond. Like because of all of like it like, how do you know it really is ethically sourced and yeah. things like that? And so knowing what that looks like in society, like I feel a hesitation to go somewhere and shop and be like, I actually would like cubic zirconia Mm -hmm. and what I know will be not no, like that's not fair. What I worry will be the immediate response to that. Like I would assume all of the reasons why I should get a diamond or whatever, but I just, it is crazy to me that to want something that isn't the best Mm -hmm. air quotes hard air quotes is like I don't even know where to shop for that where Mm -hmm. I don't where I don't feel like I'll be judged for it (laughs) you know since when do you care what people think (laughs) since you're an INFP now (laughs) INFJ typically I don't but I don't want to go somewhere and feel shamed Mm. well if they feel shamed you walk out if they make you feel shamed burn it to the ground yeah (laughs) That's it. Anyway, I have to burn your sword to the ground. You have shamed me. (laughs) (laughs) That went in a completely different direction than I intended it. And I love it. But all I was going to bring up (laughs) was that she kind of has this, you know, she talks about this, this story and Glinda, Glinda tries to kind of pass over it. She says, we were talking about your childhood. Oh, yeah. And um, Elphaba says, well, that's it. That's all part of it. You can't divorce your particulars from politics. Yeah, I loved that. And that really like hit me because, again, like child of the 80s, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. Children should be seen and not heard. Like all the things that we've that we've talked about before. You you have to know politics. You have to be aware of what's going on. And to say like well, I don't talk about that or I don't, I don't bother myself with that stuff. It doesn't affect me. That's called privilege. Yes. <laughs> that is where, yep. <laughs> yeah. 
that's exactly what it is. And that's so dangerous and so scary and so just gross to just be like, well, I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on in politics. I don't bother myself with that. I just live my life. Yeah, I, it's, we just live, we've created a society where we can, we just can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just not an option. And that's coming from someone who very much wanted to just be that person who, and was. Yeah. That person who was like, "Mm, no, no, I don't do that. Like, mm -mm." Mm -hmm. and just over the past couple of years, just recognizing and realizing like I like I cannot be that person I cannot afford to do that and the people around me can't afford for me to be that kind of person and that grows that extends that moves beyond my circle into caring about people that I I'll probably never meet them but that doesn't make them any less human Mm -hmm. doesn't make them matter any less yep well, are we ready to move to three? Um, probably. Have we said enough? I've said too oh, much, I but think. But also, Glinda blows up Alphabet Sandwich <laughs> with sorcery. Yeah, yeah there's, de- there's definitely some... Uh... She's like, there's just so many moments where, for some reason, in this chapter... I made Harry Potter parallels because I think of Seamus Finnegan always like blowing things up. Yes. I was like, oh, Glinda's the Seamus in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah, they have a conversation about the, they have a conversation about sorcery mm-hmm. and Nessa Rose is obviously very against it. Her father thought it was, you know, evil from the devil. A shocking display. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Glinda is just like, it's a practical skill. It's like reading or writing. Like, yeah. And then she tries to show him how by moving Alphabet Sandwich and instead blows it up. <laughs> <laughs> and Alphabet is basically kind of almost neutral in it. Like, I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's trivial. It's, it doesn't hurt anybody it's just a thing that people do like yeah she at this point is a little like switzerland on sorcery glinda's a big fan nesseros is very against yeah so that might be significant later but it's again like nesseros's opinion is really coming from her father and yeah. it's that whole thing we've talked about endlessly. It's, she doesn't think for herself. She's not thinking for yeah. herself. It's just daddy says so. So that's what I'm going to think. And it's gross and I hate it. Yeah, it is <laughs> very gross. <laughs> In three, yeah. we move into our first co-ed class. Yeah, baby. And I have some things to say about this class. Okay, let's hear them. We're introduced to Dr. Say it. I say Nick a dick. I was like, it's either Nick a dick or Nicky dick. So (laughs) I was like, (laughs) something. We'll just call him Dr. Dick. Because he is one. And oh man, my visceral response to the way he treated Fierro. Mm. So our our student from the Vincus, which am I correct in 
they say like basically they never have students from the bingo. Correct. Like this is very new. Yes. So for everyone. So Fierro mistakenly comes into the class, correct? Or he does came he in just the wrong door? He okay, showed up like on the stage door. Okay. <laughs> like instead of the behind the student's door. Okay. So being And late. Yeah, so being confused by the new area, like because this is a foreign place to him, he ends up coming into the wrong door, uh, kind of messing up Dr. Dick's uh, weird-ass experiment, Mm -hmm. and he has a very aggressive response, I think, to Fierro. And just the way he, you know, he says, you fool, why don't you come to class on time? Like, he kind of belittles him, actually kind of, like, whether inadvertently or not, like, sets his experiment (laughs) onto, uh, he he sets it on Fierro. And, um, I mean... It's going to sound weird, but the antlers of this inanimate animal end up attacking him. Mm -hmm. And so that moment where, like, he shows such a frustration with somebody who is foreign. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, not just, you know, somebody foreign, but, like, I do think about the ways, like, in this country or in this town... I have seen people respond to people who are not from here. Mm -hmm. And and by that, I do mean specifically foreign people. I think of, so one of the things that we do when somebody calls dispatch for help Mm -hmm. and they don't speak English as their first language and they ask for, like they may ask, like the most common one is going to be Spanish. We actually have a ton of requests for Swahili Mm. dialects but we use a third party service that can get us all having a conversation together Mm -hmm. and I was listening to a phone call and the woman who called immediately said do you have somebody there who speaks Spanish and I could hear even though it was nothing overt like nothing egregious like I could hear in that moment the level of inconvenience that dispatcher felt on having to access this third party. Yikes. And I, I like, and like, I will say up front, like her service level did not change, um, towards the caller, but like, I knew I'm like, she's annoyed that she has to reach out mm-hmm. and make this additional phone call. Now, granted, I will say the service that we use is lackluster, mm-hmm. um, but I thought, what a small way, like, at this moment, because we haven't gotten anywhere in the phone call, we don't know why she's calling, um, so we don't know the degree of help that she needs, but, like, the last thing people need when they're fucking calling for help or they're fucking yeah. asking for help Um, pull that out of this scenario now, like into the world at large, into, you know, like walking into a store and asking for help or whatever that might look Mm -hmm. like. Um, The last thing people need when they're asking for help is like our 
air of inconvenience mm-hmm. of language barriers. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've addressed, you know, like people who are here with English as a second language, like that doesn't make them less, that doesn't, you know, make them dumb or anything like that. But, uh, Nicodic's response to the Winky and just like, I mean, we all, like, we're all aware, like, based on his, his response, the, the Winky's response, Fierro's response, like, like, he didn't mean to be there. He's just as confused. He doesn't want a titchin. He literally just wants to, like, sit down where he is. Yeah. <laughs> and so just, like, that idea that we're superior because we're, quote, local mm-hmm. or, quote, native right. to whatever that region is. Yep. Like, I wanted to reach to the pages and choke him. Yeah. Well, and it is, it's, it's such a, I mean, even just being a new student. Yeah. Even if he wasn't from another place, but just being in a new situation, mm-hmm. a place you've never been before. Like, I know I've felt that way and I'm in an English speaking place and I'm in a place where I should understand something and I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, but I know I've gone somewhere (laughs) and just been like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah. Where is somebody? Why would anyone help me? Can somebody just tell me like, where do I go? What am I supposed to do here? Am I in the right place? What? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. We, that's actually a phenomenal example because like, they don't work in dispatch any longer, but I remember being new in dispatch and I knew who I could and couldn't ask questions mm-hmm. based on how I was going to be treated. And like, they're fucking new. I remember when I had to register my first kid for kindergarten, there's no instructions. There's no, <laughs> like, there is nothing. You just have to figure it out. Yeah. And like, I can't imagine if English wasn't my first language, if I wasn't at least somewhat familiar with the public school system here yeah. because I went through it myself, like I at least had an idea of where to start, but there was no process. There's nothing you get like, you know, sent no to like you automatically. packet that's like, hey, this, this <laughs> you're now a parent. Well, here are th- things you need to do. I mean, I know people have more than one kid, but you would think like... <laughs> This is your kid's first year at school, which means this is your first year experiencing school from this perspective. Like, Mm -hmm. you'd think there'd be a goddamn orientation packet. (laughs) I mean, there is once you get to a certain (sighs) step in the process, but not for the beginning. Yeah. And when we were registering my firstborn, the house we were in at the time was like right on the border of two different school districts. Mm. And I couldn't even figure out which fucking school district we were in, let yeah. alone which elementary school, let alone how to, <laughs> Oh my God. It's it was a help nightmare. me. <laughs> yeah. So, and you're trying to do it all during the summer. Oh yeah. Because I didn't know because I didn't have an orientation packet that all of the registration for kindergarten stuff actually happens in the spring. Yeah. So I had like waited until summer Cause I was like, Oh, school starts in a couple months. I guess I should figure this out. And then it was like, nobody's in the office. There's <laughs> nobody to call. <laughs> oh my God. It was a nightmare. I hate it. I hate it so much. But you know, you, then you find somebody that has done it before and you know, if it's another parent, not somebody in the school system and ask for their help mm-hmm. and 
thankfully find somebody that's kind and willing to help and doesn't just go, uh, figure it out. Figure it out, <laughs> dumbass. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, then, man, there is more than I thought in this one. Yeah. And this is where Glenda starts asking her big brain questions. Yeah, like, she does. Like, this was a point where I started to be really impressed with Glenda. And just the way she's paying attention. And um, I would say she's seeing into, like, the theoretical and conceptual at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Making observations that I think she sees patterns and the ways things are entwined. Yeah, she's definitely trying to figure out. She has this passion for sorcery, mm-hmm. but she wants to use it to do good. Yeah. Like she wants, she's looking in like way bigger picture than yeah. just, you know, party tricks. She really wants to figure out how to, how to do something with it. And so I find that, I find that very intriguing. Nessaro's of course, t- of course deflects that and says, well, it's only the unnamed God that can do those things. You don't even know him. You don't even know his name. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) She says, uh, Nessaro says, if Miss Grayling confuses sorcery with creation, she is in grave danger of corrupting your morals. Morals. And (laughs) Glinda says, well, my morals aren't in the greatest shape to start out with, Nessa. (laughs) I love that she said that, too. I love it, too. I love the ownership of that, where she's just like... I think that's another piece of that growth. I'm just a little bit of a fucking mess right now. This whole Dr. Dilliman and I'm a clutch thing, like, have me shaken up, Mm -hmm. and I'm just not where I... I I don't know where I'm at right now. So I I really liked that that Glinda moment. Yeah, I I do. (laughs) I think she's really... She is really trying. She's really... Trying to figure her shit out. And She's doing a lot of introspection. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yep. Good job, Glinda. You know what? Recently we told her, be better, Glinda. And she did it. Yeah. She's doing the She's work. Doing She's the doing, the work. doing the damn work. She is. It's really good. Then we go back to class. And then... How about Miss Grayling's question? Oh, wait, where? What? This, this question still has me reeling. Hmm. What is it? I, I don't know that I have anything to say about it other than it sent me down a, a path. What Can there it? be a higher desire than to change the world? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Good question, Miss like, Grayling. Miss Grayling is the is the Trelawney that I mentioned, yes. the sorcery instructor. That's not that good at sorcery, but she's she's like how when she isn't actually trying. Trelawney makes real prophecies. Yeah. And then, like, this is the, like, it, it talks about uh, her level of, I guess we could call it incompetence. It's kind of like the those who can't teach. Mm-hmm. Like, those who can't do are the people who teach. And uh, I think, I don't know that she meant to actually have this teaching have moment. this moment, yeah. but... Yeah, she's not teaching sorcery. She's answering a question. Like, she's yeah. not teaching spells and, yeah. like, you know. She's really looking at almost the philosophy mm-hmm. of of uh, sorcery and that it's, it's making, it's creation. Yeah. And 
moral danger at this point when she asks, can there be a higher desire than to change the world? Yeah. Oh, that is, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I like, <laughs> that makes my brain too, hurt. I was going to say, that's too big for my brain. I'm going to have to answer <laughs> that with my heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then we go oh. back to class with Mr. Dick. Yeah. Dick is like. Nick a dick. I would, I would file a formal complaint against him. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't fight that guy, but I would complain <laughs> formally. Oh, I'd fight him. I'd <laughs> fight him in a back alley and choke him. Yeah, he's got this, no. he's trying to prove a point about animal versus animal. And I guess the point at which you know what a creature is. Yeah, Are, you, you don't essence. know when they're first born because yeah. they can't, nobody can talk when they're first the language. born. And that's the way you decide. So he's got this like potion that he's trying to use and he's, yeah, it's supposed to be a life science class, but. The students are confused, and they he brings in this little lion cub who is fucking terrified. Which people, if you only learn one thing on this podcast, pay attention to people who terrify animals. Seriously. And the ones who save them. <laughs> <laughs> so Elphaba speaks up. Elphaba is the one that's kind of arguing. She has no fear when it comes to <laughs> questioning authority as evidenced here and again in a little bit in next next week's episode she just is like i think is that a one where they're just like this is not okay yeah it's like a black and white like yeah very often yeah that's why i think ones and eights are so similar mm, okay. at least on the outside yeah like they present very similarly yeah she just doesn't give two shits and she's mm. like what are you doing where's its mother why have you taken this lion cub away from its mother? She would know if it's an animal or an animal. Yeah. Like fighting back. He's, he, he kind of blows her. Well, he's totally like, he's like, Oh, off. great question. I think he tries to blow her off of flattery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she just keeps talking about like, this has a political implication. I thought this was life sciences, not current events. And you know, all of the students are trying to shush her Alphaba is like our Beyonce. <laughs> anyway, he starts to talking about cauterizing part of its brain. Yeah, I like oh <laughs> to eliminate the notion of pain. Yeah, what? And says that he's like done it, but the animal is obviously terrified. Yeah, and so yeah, a few of the students start yelling at him and telling him like that he's crazy and shouldn't do it. And then, yeah, you mentioned and the then two the girls real heroes of the story mm -hmm. at this point are the two girls from Briscoe hall yep. who grabbed the lion cub and run away with him. Mm -hmm. I was like, and that would be me in class. Yep. Just his willingness, his eagerness and willingness to fuck with this poor animal's brain and on, it's on not a even whim yeah it's a hundred percent it's like it's not this isn't even a lab this isn't a research yeah laboratory where they're actually doing research he's in a lecture hall yeah he's doing it for the fucking clout yeah and the shock value <laughs> yeah he's just a piece of shit and i'm really glad he's, that they stole that one he's ago. really one of those people who like we talked about this with snape like, he's one of those p 
people who wants to have power over something and why not something that doesn't have the power to fight back at this point. And you don't see him doing this with a lion. Mm-hmm. He's doing this with a cub. Mm-hmm. And sure, we we can say, oh, well, it's because he wants to talk about at what point that essence mm-hmm. becomes obvious. But I'm like, no, you're just a shit mm-hmm. who wants to have power over a thing. Yep. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yep. Yeah. If this chapter didn't, that well, not this chapter, but if this scenario didn't end the way it did, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep reading. <laughs> she was going to throw the book across the room. <laughs> I'm done with this Wicked bullshit. and daring greatly. <laughs> <sighs> That's funny. Okay, well, since you hated that chapter, um, should we move on? Yes. <laughs> chapter what, or part we four. We do have to yeah. point oh, out, uh, though, eh. at the very, very end of that, because... Yes. Because this moment, mm-hmm. and then at the very, very, very beginning, where we are... And I mean, like, the beginning, like, very first introductory thing where Alphaba calls in her mind... A dog, a vile creature. So I don't know if that's dog specific or what, but the Alphaba in this classroom, like after the whole thing, like if she's trembling and Box says, you felt for the beast, didn't you? Alpha, you're trembling. I'm just curious. What is the trajectory? What is the path we travel for her to call Toto <laughs> a vile creature? Mm-hmm. Maybe she just doesn't like dogs, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what will this path look like? That's a good point. Anyway. It is definitely a pinpoint on the path. Okay. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Moving on. And that's not because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being sneaky and you're like, nope. Memory of a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. So, chap- part four. We are back with the friends. This is the where the chapter gets its name, A Charmed Circle. So Bach finally, it's kind of from, at least this first part is kind of from Bach's perspective a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's um, just him coming to the realization that he's kind of over his crush on Glinda. Yeah. He, he had a crush on Galinda. And Glinda is kind of a new person. He doesn't like the one that thinks. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we have to point out. Yeah. It it opens with our our it's not a quote, but in talking about Nessa Rose and her piety and all of that. Perhaps every accidental cluster of people has a short period of grace in between the initial shyness and prejudice on the one hand and eventual repugnance and betrayal on the other. Mm-hmm. Just gonna yeah. take that out of the story, mm-hmm. put it up on our conspiracy wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put okay. a little pin with a red <laughs> string on that one, because. Okay. Yeah, we definitely have some uh, repugnance and betrayal on the way. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so Bach is over. But yeah, he's Glinda. He's over. And Glinda. Glinda. <laughs> yep. Calls it a charmed circle, and then um, yeah, what do we? I don't know. There's this more conversation of grammatic. Is it magical? Is it clockwork? Or some combination of the two? Everybody's just creeped out by it. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever it is. (laughs) 
I did like, is this where Alphaba says she basically always went silly and it was like a little family of elves or something that was inside? Oh, yes. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yes. There was a little dwarf inside or an That's acrobatic it. family of elves, each working a <laughs> limb. <laughs> Either way, when Gromadic comes around, her hand gets a strange hunger for a hammer. <laughs> yeah, they all want to destroy yeah. it. They don't like it. Oh, this is when Nessa gets her her, her fancy-ass shoes. So they're not ruby red, but they are silver or blue or now red. They're basically like kind of... Like an iridescent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, the letter says that he that Frex made them. He, he bought the shoes from a toothless tinker woman and then dressed them up with silver glass beads that he made himself that Turtleheart taught him how to make. So that's like an interesting little side note to Frex and Turtleheart. I mean, that's kind of a friendship thing, yeah. right? Like teaching Frex how to do yeah. what he did. Like, uh, it's kind of interesting. Maybe Frex wasn't so bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But then he sends these gorgeous shoes to Nessa yeah. and not a single thing to yeah. Alphaba. Yeah. So yeah, um, he's still a dick. The only note I had for this was fucking Frex in the shoes. And just <laughs> uh, just that way that he completely dismisses Alphaba. Like she's she's not a thought mm-hmm. that we can tell um in it in his mind when he has created the gift, when he sent the gift, when he wrote the letter, so I I can imagine some of the feelings that Alphaba's probably feeling. Well, and the way that Nessa Rose then tweaks that feeling, like she, you know, Alphaba is a little patronizing. No, not an Alphaba, sorry. Um, Um, Yeah, like, well, Nessa Rose says how thoughtful he is, and Nanny is kind of, you know, tries to kind of, say oh well you know it's a good thing you can stand on your own two feet like basically these are her these are for support for nessa and isn't Mm -hmm. it nice that you can walk you know like (laughs) nessa has trouble walking so you should be grateful because you can walk and you know elfie's very nice about it says they're gorgeous whatever and and Nessa Rose says, don't ruin my small happiness with resentment, will you? He knows you don't need this kind of thing. And it's like, <sighs> you don't either. Yeah. They're not something you need. You don't need sparkly ass shoes to help you walk. She needs those like sketchers that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one. Like specifically rounded, like yeah. to help your uh-huh. gait. Yeah, that's what she needs. <laughs> I don't know if they exist in this universe, but <laughs> instead she gets sparkly fucking high heels. I don't know. The high heels actually no, seem. I don't know if they're high heels. They're that's not high true, heels. but like if they were, that seems the worst possible shoe yeah. for somebody who already needs a hand on her yeah. back to they're not they're just i just picture them that way i used to have a real sparkly pair of like stripper shoes so well and <laughs> i mean the the movie the wizard of oz they're flats are they flats? well they might have but a little like kitten heel. Heel. yeah yeah <laughs> 
Meow. This is good meow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, the way she just kind of blows it off, or like, it's a it's a narcissistic response. Like yeah. it's a gaslighting. Don't ruin the. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's gaslighting. Don't ruin my happiness with your resentment. You don't need this kind of thing. Like, ugh. No, but she needs a dad who fucking thinks about her. Yeah. It's gross. Anyway, that's really, I don't know. Then they go to the bar and Alfie sings. Meh. No, she makes up a song and it's beautiful and everybody loves it. And nobody wants to follow it. And nobody wants to follow it because she's so good. (laughs) That's part four. (laughs) That's it. It's more just plot than anything. Yeah. got shoes. Shoes are important. That will come back later. The shoes have already been there. That's true. Also, at the very, at the very, very yeah, beginning, the we've got some, we've got some throwbacks yeah, or some. some callbacks. Well, and yeah, obviously, if we're aware of the movie, sure, the original Wizard of Oz, then we're, you should be seeing some other things too. But I'm not gonna give them away yet. Um. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to slam through part five, too, right? Do you think? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. What happened in this chapter? Alma Clutch oh, dies. Oh, God. This is the Alma Clutch dying. Yeah. And she reveals some very mm-hmm. important information about the murder of Dr. Delamond. Yeah. So this is another pretty quick chapter. So Glinda keeps going off on her shame and her blaming herself. Um. For what happened to Alma Clutch. I also thought it was really, I think, touching that when she sits in front of her, like she reverts to, she's like, Alma Clutch, it's me. It's your little Galinda. And that she just kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. honors the person that Alma Clutch knew. I thought that was sweet. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, the way that... Glinda keeps, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. And Alfie tries to stop her. (laughs) And, you know, she says basically, yeah, okay, sure, it's your fault. (laughs) Yeah, But cut yourself out of the conversation. This is her death, not your interview with the unnamed God. Yeah. And I just, I was like, man, that's, I kind of like that. Like, Like, stop making this about you. Yeah. Like, you're kind of... When she reverts to her name, Galinda, with Alma Clutch, she kind of almost reverts back to that same... It's about me. ...person who makes everything about herself. Like, she needs to let Alma Clutch have her last moments and have her um, respect and shut up talking about her damn self. Yeah. (laughs) And when she does, and when they finally get morable out of the room they nanny and alphaba like kind of push morable out of the room and lock the door and then that's when alma clutch kind of gets her senses back yeah and has this moment where she she has this clarity and she is and she has this little stay out of the wind but wind is capitalized until the time is right or you'll be blown in the wrong direction huh Mm-hmm. Huh. And she says... Just think of, yeah. like... I know this isn't The Wizard of Oz, and I don't know how it... Ad- if it is or isn't addressed here, but, like, the whole arrival of the wizard was in a hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. Because the wind blew him off course. 
I have no idea if that will come into play mm-hmm. within this story. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the wizards in the story, but like, hmm, what is the capital W wind? Yeah. And then she says, I saw the knife in the air. I saw the wind come to take Dr. Dillamond away. I saw the clockwork turn and the goat's time stop. So she didn't just come upon the body. Yeah. Like she, she like saw what happened. Murdered. Yep. And that's significant because everybody, this, everybody's been like gaslighting the whole community mm-hmm. saying that he broke a piece he of equipment a, he broke the lens mm-hmm. on his because we talked about he created a microscope yeah. he and broke the fell lens on and the broken glass fell on the broken glass and that's how he sliced his own throat and died and that's the official story and ama clutch is saying like nope that's nope. not what happened so she mentions the wind and the clockwork and says that the goat's time stopped. And then Alphaba says, it was Gromitic, wasn't it? And she says, well, that's what I'm saying, ducky. <laughs> I don't know. We've talked about, like, conspiracy theories in the past. Yeah. And we've talked about all this. But it's the the healthy skepticism of stories that we're told. And, you yeah. know, sometimes when things don't sound quite right, like... He broke the lens on his microscope and he fell on it. And that's how he slit his throat. Like how many of us fall throat first? Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I, I know. Well, and he has four legs, so he's got a better Mm -hmm. sense of balance than the rest of us. Yeah. I picture him on back legs most of the time, but I definitely think if he was falling, he would catch himself. The other two down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some something's going on and I don't trust it and this is yeah. why I have trust issues because um people in authority <laughs> are saying one thing yeah. and the people on the street are saying something else. On the like the one who actually witnessed mm-hmm. everything is saying something very different. Mm-hmm. I just find it interesting that um Glinda made up this ailment and only told Morable and when Morable is around, the ailment is affecting Ama Clutch. In the exact way. In the exact way. Is, so is Morable a sorceress? Oh, hell yeah, she is. Okay. Or like, I mean, I, I can tell she does sorcery, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's like a common knowledge, like she is known to be a sorceress. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, it, it's when she's in miss grayling's class and she's That's like right. she's correcting her yeah. and like you know making she is it. such an umbrage yeah she really is i'm trying to think it's interesting yeah, too so because umbrage is said to be toad-like and marble is fish-like Ooh. yeah i don't know that she's outwardly like known for it or like makes it you know super clear in her sure. day-to-day stuff but i think her expertise is shown in the classroom. And Absolutely. if you pay attention, if they were, if the girls were paying attention, they would know. Yeah. I don't know. People reveal their hand. And sometimes we want to believe. I think that's the thing, like, that's with insane. authority and, like, you know, wanting to believe. Even Nicodic, like, Glinda wants to, Glinda thinks he's a respectful, yeah, a respectable guy. Distinguished. Yeah. Because he's in authority. And yeah. he's a person that should be distinguished and a person who should be respectable. So you want, 
I think a tendency can be for a person to want to assign those characteristics to people. But there's a reason why some people are, don't trust authority (laughs) and it's, I don't know. I don't know how to like justify that because I'm not saying like I'm all for anarchy, burn it all down, like don't have any authority. But like, how do you, how do you know who to trust? (laughs) Like, (laughs) how do you know who's telling you the truth? And you know, you want to believe the best in people, but when they keep showing their hand and they keep showing you these little things it's hard not to question that and say, yeah. I think when people show you who they are, just believe them. Yeah. Oof. Not who they tell you they are, who they show you. They yeah. Are. That's good, friend. Thanks, friend. Mm-hmm. Do you have a hot seat question? Yeah, I do have one, but it's all, it is really okay. silly and goofy. Do it. Okay. When they're at the bar and they're trying to go to, alphabet into singing and everybody's going around saying like oh i'll sing this oh i'll Uh, sing this what what's your go-to karaoke song you're gonna die it's gangster's paradise by coolio (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) yeah oh my god it's the only song i karaoke (gasps) oh my god i love it so much somewhere on facebook there's video evidence oh i'm finding that shit I love it. I shit you not. This is my go-to. I love it so much. Mine's I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I've also been known to sing a Disney song or two, but I am not good at those. I just really enjoy them. But they, I can do they I like, Survive. They have, like, really good... Like, they get intense. They have good moments, mm-hmm. Disney songs. Mm-hmm. If you were going to design a pair of shoes mm-hmm. that were, like, your iconic shoes... Mm. What would they be? What would they look like? Uh, Do you want to know something funny about this question? Yes. The shoes on my feet. I actually custom made these. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. That's fancy. I like them. Thanks. Uh, dang how this question has changed through the course of my long ass life. <laughs> like, I used to own probably 40 pairs of like six inch stilettos whoa like all the heels in the world and i loved them and i I wore them all the time and then i had children Hmm. and children ruin everything (laughs) i couldn't wear them anymore my back always hurts and i'm fatter than i used to be so i don't know which time of my life i want to decorate or design these (laughs) shoes for Because it definitely, like, way cooler to have the big platform. I like the stripper heels that have, like, a clear platform under the toe part. And then there's, like, goldfish floating around in it or something. I think those are (laughs) pimp shoes. Oh, okay. (laughs) No. Just teasing. I have seen a movie where a pimp had (laughs) shoes with goldfish. They were goldfish tips. That's awesome. (laughs) I think those are... Awesome, but are we designing them for a purpose? There's, this could go so many different ways. This is so much harder than you think it is. <laughs> well, we can go back to my first question, which by now I will have edited out. But 
<laughs> so everybody knows this is the third question I ask. <laughs> oh, can I change my question? Oh, can, can I, I change, change it again? <laughs> and I've had answers for the other ones. <laughs> she just wanted to make me look like an idiot. Never. I don't know. I want to be cool and design something like super trendy and awesome but also like i just need function at this point in my <laughs> life <laughs> they would definitely have arch support and be really comfortable <laughs> but maybe they would be like well i've always wanted to have like a boot that comes all the way up to like mid thigh but because my thighs are as big as most people's waists i can't ever find any that fit so maybe they'd be like a kind of platformish, not heel, but like full platform. Yeah. Boot that's got arch support and is super comfortable, <laughs> but comes all the way up to mid thigh, but isn't shiny and has lots of buckles and straps. Yeah. So what is the scenario where you wear these I don't boots? Know. Okay. <laughs> sitting on my couch we watching did not TV. go practical <laughs> i don't know that's what you gave me watching too the, the walking dead and yes that highs i would be ready for the zombie apocalypse True. they would also be like bite proof <laughs> okay <laughs> no zombie biting my leg <laughs> okay i don't know i like it that's it okay what are yours well mine would definitely be like a running shoe of Fuck. some type <laughs> so practical <laughs> so good um and even now, like when I buy running shoes, I love obnoxiously colored shoes. Actually, I believe in our very first episode of Filtered Through Fiction, I think, I talked about how I would have neon yellow wizard boots. Yep. <laughs> um, so my running shoes would be like the perfect thing like they would mold to the shape of my feet so it was literally like the perfect step every time mm -hmm. like supported in all of the actual ways that my physical foot <laughs> needed to be supported because they're different actually like one of my arches is much higher than the other huh. so I have to always make sure that shoes fit the uh, foot with the higher arch Otherwise, the circulation gets cut off. Mm. And um, they'd be color changing based on my mood. Ooh, that's fun. That's real fun. <laughs> I like and it. And apparently I'm magic, so there yeah. you go. Or my shoes are, anyway. Yeah, they're just mood shoes. Yeah. Like a mood ring. Well, yours are much more practical. I feel like uh, you needed to give me more um, parameters. Oh. <laughs> because when you give me too much of an open, <laughs> I don't know where to go. Uh, cool. Mm -hmm. Hot seat question answers from social media. Hell yeah, we do. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so we said we would pace ourselves. So for this episode, we will cover our answers that we have for chapter 15 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. First hot seat question. Has there ever been a time in your life you felt things couldn't have possibly been worse, but looking back, you feel differently? And our real MVP, Zephyr in the Willow. I have to 
pause and giggle because uh, for the last episode we were sharing one of her answers and I swear to God it sounds like I say Zephyr in the woo woo. (laughs) 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 So Jen, Zephyr in the woo woo. If you would like to change your username to Zephyr in the woo woo. Go for it. Go for it. I will not trademark it. <laughs> I will gift it to you the way you gifted the Octopod to oh, so good. <laughs> to Karen. And she answers, I'd probably have to go with the end of my relationship with my ex. My depression was at its worst, and I didn't think things could feel worse. Looking back, though, although he was in no way good to me, He could have been worse too, such as being physically abusive or being into heavy drugs, etc. Yeah, I was a, yeah, I have some of those ex stories too. Yeah. I can relate, Zephyr. Um, Okay, hot seat question number two. McGonagall deals out the worst possible punishment for Harry after catching him, Hermione, and Neville out of bed. What would be the worst attention with which to punish you? So, uh, again... Miss Zephyr in the Willow. Woo-woo. Zephyr in the (laughs) woo-woo. Says, the punishment depends on my age. At the age of the characters, banning me from reading books would have been torture for me. If one were to punish me now, it would be to make me socialize (laughs) with people. (laughs) She needs the hell is other people shirt. Boardwalk Tees. Send Zephyr a t-shirt. Yeah, we have a, a code. We have a discount code. We have a... An affiliate code? We do. Are we that famous? We are. I believe it's FTF pod. But if you go to our Instagram, click the link in the bio on our link tree, there is a code, a link to go order. How did I not know this? We are famous. We're famous. I love it. I'm going to go order some t-shirts. But first, quickly, (laughs) I'm going to read two more answers because we had more than just Zephyr on this one. We had Brit... Our very own Brit. The best Britney in the world. The best Britney. Sorry, all the other Britneys. Ah, Britney Spears. No. <laughs> Police. Okay. She's Britney sick. Spears is second yeah. to your Britney. Okay. <laughs> That's true. It's valid. Um, worst attention with which to punish her? Small talk. Like I say at work, I'm physically allergic to small talk, so I can't. I love it. It will kill me. I love it. You guys are <laughs> two peas in a pod. And uh, at McGee, Megan 25. I'm assuming that's somebody named Megan. Yes. Someone uh, named Megan McGee. Uh, she used what? to she used to work with me. Oh, cool. Um, her punishment would be to take away her video games. Can confirm. Love it. Gotta love a female gamer. Yep. Sweet. She's one of our m- most faithful listeners too. She's more <gasps> caught up on Thanks our episodes than I am. Megan. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to all of you. Thank you for taking the time. Going to Instagram. As Karen said a couple of episodes, go to Instagram right now. Do it. Filter through fiction. Answer (laughs) right now. You were so bossy and I loved it. (laughs) I can do that sometimes. Okay. Some social media. That's a thing. (laughs) We're on it. (laughs) We have it. That's it. We have it. (laughs) You can catch us at filter through fiction on Instagram. Filter through fiction.com on the web. And that's it. And that's it. Because we don't have time for all that other bullshit. No, I barely have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't help. So it's all on her. (laughs) (laughs) That really, uh, 
labor intensive one post a week. <laughs> it's hard to keep up, man. I I feel it. I feel your pain. Well, I think there's only one thing left to do, and that is to close out our episode <laughs> with probably one of the rudest <laughs> jacklines to date. <laughs> Fuck your soul, Nessa Rose. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.